Hello, thanks for dropping in to listen to MK Rocks with Rob Taylor, that's me. Before we start, please go onto the MK Rocks with Rob Taylor Facebook page and like it, just so that I know that I'm not speaking to myself. If you're here just to listen to Paul, I do one of these shows every week and it comes out sometime on a Friday. I also do another show, New Releases with Rob Taylor, where I play all kinds of stuff that's been released in the week before or after the show. All kinds of stuff, with the possible exception of Urban, which is a bit pants in my humble opinion. This week the whole show is dedicated to one of the godfathers of MK Music, Mr Paul Rivers. Paul has been involved as a key person in the MK Music scene for as long as I've been alive, right? He's got some great stories to tell. Before I start, when you first meet Paul, he's a quiet bloke who's polite and fine but doesn't say much. As you get to know him over the years, he opens up more and more and more and more and he can talk for England. Here goes. Before we start, I just need to apologise for some of the sound quality. Don't blame it on the sunshine. Don't blame it on the moonlight. Don't blame it on the good times. Blame it on the broadband. I'm joined now by Paul Rivers. Paul is so well known in Milton Keynes for having put on bands for how long is it now, Paul? This will be my 25th year. I started in 1995 crewing at the pit. And you're only in your early 30s, aren't you? So that's amazing. Well, no, 29, mate. <laughs> oh, good. Paul is one of those names and faces that everybody in Milton Keynes knows and, and loves. Paul, how is the lockdown treating you? It's really, really strange for me, Rob, because I'm so used to working and obviously working in like live music has been my sort of main income since 1995 when I started crewing at the pit. So I've never known anything other than live music most of my working life. So it's really strange on two fronts. One, you're used to slogging it out and working. And then two, it really is one of those surreal experiences where you wake up one day and your trade or your career has just ceased to exist. Just on hold. It's awful. Yeah, yeah, completely on hold. I can't imagine because I've been talking to musicians and there's basically two trains of thought. One is they're saying, oh, I'm really bored, there's nothing to do. The others are saying, well, it's time to be really creative. Go away and, and write songs and come up with yeah. new ideas. But for yourself, who's been involved with venues and promoting and live music, like you say, there's just nothing to do. Yeah, I, I also, sort of last three or four years, I've been moving into artist development and band management and I've worked with a couple of bands I don't chest beat about it and I just quietly go about my business so I manage a young band called Naked Next Door from Milton Keynes who have got signed and so I've had a bit of work to do with that to keep me busy and keep me sane and I've used this time to help a few friends bands out and give them advice so I've kind of been using music still to keep me sane if that makes sense it does it does and fair play to you paul i didn't even know that you were involved in managing and advising bands so like you say you keep it under your hat you know me i'm just not one to just show off i'm just that dude that just puts his head down and work slogging it out seven days a week trying to keep the pit going as long as i could before it was shut down so i just do what i do and also if you're working with a band it's very much like it's the band you've got to be pushing forward not it's not my ego you've not got to show off you're working for the band so it's all about them fabulous that's lovely to hear you mentioned Naked Next Door. Let's put on a track by Naked Next Door. What track should we put on? I think you should put on Save It because it was like the first single off of their last EP and it's done really well online like and it's just like a two and a half minute banger. It's a perfect introduction to the band. Okay this is Naked Next Door with Save It. I hit my head pretty hard Maybe I had it coming 
and it's refreshing to hear. You mentioned the early days at the pits. Were there any really memorable shows for you? Yeah, so I started going to the pits in 1988 and then I started going regularly in 1989. So it was right when Chris Kemp was 
you know, at his peak doing all of the yeah. sort of fresh bands and, and all the all the bands of the day coming through. So like the, the gigs that used to really like, you know, you have the greatest fun at was the, the, the old sort of lawnmower death and acid rain gig. And that was the gig. I think there was a Christmas gig at the pit about 1990. And I think it was lawnmower death and acid rain that were two hugely popular UK fresh bands, weren't they? Yeah, and um, and everyone just used to go because they it was just a place to go and absolutely go bananas like for both bands. And I remember actually being in the middle of like the mosh pit and there was like a circle pit going around me and 500 people squeezed into that room, you know, stage diving everything, the band going off. And I actually remember standing watching it, thinking, I think this is what I want to do. Brilliant. I think you know, the, yeah, this is it was like quite an epiphany sort of moment. I was like, if I if I do anything, I want to do this for people and I want to do like shows and keep this going. That and then, you know, King's X. So I saw King's X at the pits about 1990, 91. Yep. And it was the first time I'd seen a band that was so like locked in and so tight that when they were jamming all their like longer parts in the songs, that they all had their eyes shut. It was a three piece band and all of them were so well connected. They had that sort of telepathic thing going on. And it, it was the first time I'd ever seen a band who was so locked into what they do. They all had their eyes shut on stage and they were just lost in their music. And I always, I, I, I always remember it. Just, it just blew me away that, that you could be that, that sort of into it and that, that yeah. tight and that sort of, you know, together. It's wonderful to notice that sort of thing, isn't it? Um, yeah. You mentioned Lawnmower Death and Acid Rain. I've got to admit, I don't know an awful lot about Lawnmower Death and Acid Rain. So what a fantastic time to have an epiphany in the middle of a circle pit and a mosh pit at one of those gigs. I'm going to put on a track by um, one of those bands now. What shall I put on? Do um, Lawnmower Death, their, their probably most popular track is they've done a cover version of um, Kim Wilde's Kids in America. Looking out a dirty old window Dumping all the cars in the city You're running I see
gigs, great times, great moments from the pits. From about 1994, I'd made friends with Sammy Jones then, the girl that used to review all the gigs. You know, we, we, we kind of, our friendship sort of came together and we became a big bunch of mates. And, and I always connected with Sammy because she wanted to get into it through a writing point of view. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get into music through like live music and in the industry. So I went to the pits with her because uh, she was reviewing Manowar for oh, the, yeah. uh, the Citizen. And honestly, mate, I've never seen anything like it. They brought their own PA rigging from Europe. So they'd just finished doing, I guess, festivals. And, and you know, in mainland Europe, they were huge. Yeah. So you walked into the pit and their PA was stacked so high, it was nearly touching the ceiling. <laughs> they'd effectively squeezed us almost like a stadium setup into the club. Yeah. And as soon as they started playing your drink was like vibrating you you had to keep going out and taking breaths because it was so painful in the chest so obviously the pits as part of the Woodland leisure center yeah. it was so loud the swimming pool all the water was vibrating Excellent. like it was like, like there was gonna be an earthquake it was yeah. that loud and I, I just remember it being like you know people go oh i went to see motorhead and it was so loud and i that was my loudest ever gig i, I you know and that was like years ago and i still remember like generally having a pain in my chest and if you put your teeth together your teeth were like started like locking and shuddering and then yeah, make yeah. your ache so you stand there with your mouth open trying to hold your drink while it was like vibrating in your hand oh, and then every two or three songs go out gather yourself and then go back in again and you're, just to watch your insides back in place yeah 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 and the sad thing is they were like the cheesiest band in the world i i didn't like them i just went there for the spectacle and uh, you know, just to help Sammy with her, with her review. But yeah. it literally was like dudes in their kind of like furry, like, you know, loincloths and like swords and doing all this like battle metal. And you were just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know? But it, it, it was so loud. It was how they got away with, yeah. with putting a rig that loud into a club. I, you know, like you'd never get away with it now. You, you mentioned about the um, wearing cheesy loincloths and things. You had guar down there, or was it gore or guar down there? Yeah, yeah, so that was my time. That was one of the most controversial gigs I ever done. So I put them on, I think it was about 2005. Mm-hmm. And what was really brilliant about the gig is that what they do, they give you like a, a list of all the stuff they get up to during the, the gigs. It's almost like a theatre production. It's all plotted and... Uh, you know, of all the costumes and stuff like that. The idea being that you go down the list and you tick off all the stuff you do not want them to do, all the <laughs> real controversial stuff. And, and being young and, and like, you, you know, you remember me when I was a kid, I was mm. like full of fire. I just tore up the list in front of them and went, <sighs> you know, in like a proper heroic moment. I was like, yeah. do show dudes. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you're the first venue in, uh, in England on this tour, so let us do that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> did, you, and, did you regret it afterwards? Mate, honestly, it was... Because well, obviously the, the pits was an all-ages venue, and you literally... They, they were walking on stage, and they had, like, a priest, like, a dude dressed up as a priest, and, and were literally, like, it'd be dancing to the band, and all of a sudden they'd turn around and bend him over and shove, like, a sword up his ass, and then blood would be flying out into the crowd. And... <laughs> There was so much blood on that floor, like fake blood, we had to get the swimming pool squeegees to squeegee out the door. So obviously there was under 18 in the gig going to their first ever, ever gig. And I had some work experience kids working who were all 14. So there was all these kids at the front of their first ever gig experience 
getting covered in like um, Martian blood and like uh, Martian sperm. Oh, and yeah. they had like a they had a catapult that that flicked um, uh, basically poo, <laughs> fake poo everywhere. <laughs> so you could watch this fake poo go flying through the crowd yeah. and then like smash someone in the face. Yeah. And the only the only way I got away with it, the reason why sorry, the reason why I got caught out. Because after the gig, we just went around everywhere and just cleaned, cleaned all the toilets, cleaned all the floor where everyone walked the blood and through the centre. We, we knew it was going to be like a bit naughty, and I actually done it without letting my bosses know. I, they just thought it was a rock. But we forgot to clean one toilet. Uh, we just missed it, like one of the swimming pool toilets, and someone must have gone in there and had a, 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 obviously used the toilet. So the next morning, about six o'clock, when the cleaners come in, one of the old cleaners went into the toilet and see blood splattered everywhere. Oh. And she, she thought there'd been a murder. So I came strutting into work thinking I was like Mr. Top Promoter for selling out this show. And I got marched straight into the office. And I had like other bosses and, and like a couple of directors and trustees and stuff. And they, they, they went absolutely oh, crackers. Brilliant. Yeah, super. Um, but yeah, I thought it was worth getting the ass whooped because... <laughs> People should talk about the gig today.
bands um, come through the ranks that we might call household names and they started off as, as pretty much support bands and filling the local band slots down there at the pits didn't you yeah i suppose in my time two big bands that started you know from nothing just slogging it out were i put biffy clyro on two or three times and enter shikari you know enter shikari are super important you know those lads i put them on because their dads contacted me yeah. and said look, you know they were sent, they were St albans based yeah so their dad's like look if, if you give our boys a gig we'll do a gig swap and, and give, get a couple of Milton King bands, some shows in St Albans at the Pioneer venue that, you know, that was their version of the pits where all the kids went. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, cool. I was just like, yeah, cool. I, I didn't know nothing about them because again, they were so youngsters. And you put them on and it was, you know, and it obviously they weren't the polished act that they became, mm-hmm. but you could tell that there was something there and it was new, you know. Yeah. It, it's almost like when Enter Shikari turned up, they were like the next music and then all the sort of ska bands and ska punky bands and pop punk bands sort of seemed out of date because mm-hmm. then the Shikari were adding the sort of electronics and the dance music to their rock music. So watching like a, a young band like that, you know, start out and absolutely work their socks off yeah. uh, to where they are now. And, and people just, you know, people are still like, oh, you know, it's Enter Shikari, isn't you? Well, you don't realise that, uh, you know, their last couple of albums went top 10. You know, they can sell out places like Alexander Palace two times over now yeah. they can for Europe 10,000 capacity you know they are a major act Biffy Clyro you could just tell that they were going to be something because yeah. they had the songs and they had the they were surrounded by everyone trying to be new metal or, or like, like the black fringes and do the whole kind of screamo emo thing yeah. and them on their first album were just a bunch of grungy kids writing songs you know they were really out of step with what was cool let's put on something by biffy clyro i'm quite okay. happy with that <laughs> Bye. 
work at the Crawford Arms in Milton Keynes, which people outside Milton Keynes might not know much about, but it's in Milton Keynes, it, it's Mecca. It's, it's a place where kids can go and not worry about having the latest fashion on. And in fact, I say kid, I'm 26. I can go there. I love it. Yeah, you qualify. Thank you. Tell me a bit about uh, about the Crawford and what you're doing there or what you would be doing there if we weren't on lockdown. So, and so effectively what I do is I work I work closely with Jason, the, the promoter, the co-owner of the Crawford, along with Max. I guess I run all the shows. Jason books them and I run them, basically. Mm. That's kind of the dynamic. You're like the maitre d', aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, like I, I run all the shows and sort of manage the shows and it, it allows me enough time as well to do my band management stuff as well. So, yeah, so I've been there. I, I This would be my sixth or seventh year working there. And all of us are super proud. The lads have done amazingly well and been really committed to it. And, you know, and I was brought there for my experience to help them yeah. as well. You'd be a sort of slightly older person. I say a bit wiser, but I don't know if I am. <laughs> and Jason and Max were pit kids and came to my shows. So yeah. it kind of all, all kind of like ties in. And um, we're really proud of it because it's a good venue, you know. And I'm, you know, if, if it was shit, I'd tell you, mate. I'm, I'm not one for lying, you know what I mean, or, or messing mm-hmm. people about. But, but we're good. We're a really strong venue. The Crawford now is considered one of the best 250 capacity clubs in the UK. Yeah, we're nationally known now. And we get a lot of mentions on Six Music. And, and that's how we're able to get a lot of the, the warm-up shows, the bigger bands doing their warm-up shows. The same sort of thing as the Pits. The Pits was 450. And because it was wide, we were able to sort of like, like accommodate much bigger bands who could sort of all put their huge show into a club so we're able to get bigger bigger bands who want to do like a warm-up to reading festival or download or bloodstock yes and we we can you know we can accommodate them even though it's a club show and they've got a lot more equipment we can sort of like handle what they bring in and look after them for our experience we know how to accommodate the bands and uh, look after them and stuff so it's, it's very much the crawford is definitely word of mouth reputation and literally just slogging it up from nothing. Everyone working on peanuts, everyone giving like extra to just keep it going and, and just slowly build it up. So, and, it, and it's, it's a heartbreaking sort of seeing nothing going on there. Not just for us, for everyone, you know, we, we see the Crawfords. It's our venue. It's not Jason Max. It's, it's, you know, I don't, I'm not the king that runs the show. We're all in it together. Like, you yeah. know, every, like the punters, the bands, us, we're just all like there fighting to keep something going. But we're super, super, super proud of it. Good, good. You deserve it because I love going. I go over there as a, um, a crowd member quite regularly. Well, not, not as regularly as I'd like to. I absolutely love it there. And I've seen some great, great bands there. I don't think I've ever seen a bad band there. I think we're quite proud of that as well. Obviously, we have some like complete duffers and some of the most painfully embarrassing bands known to, to human existence. I don't, think know, band, I don't think I've ever seen a, a duffer down there or a bad band down there, do you know? Yeah, that, and we're quite, we're quite sort of proud of that. You know, on the whole, I think we've done, we've done all right. If you look back at the list of gigs that the venues and the bands that they've had visit the place, yeah. you can go down and go, well, you know, they're, they're very, they're, they're cutting edge. We can look back and feel like not embarrassed. Now, I went to a gig, I can't remember if it was last year or earlier this year, but there was an instrumental band called Night Verses. Did you, do you remember that uh, one? Yes, I do remember that, yeah. I went down with my friend and she said, oh, instrumental band, oh, I don't know, I think I'm on the board. 
they were absolutely incredible one of the best bands i've i've ever seen live instrumental they didn't get boring for a second i wasn't a massive like massively aware of them because they i think they came from the modern metals metal sort yeah. of genre that very kind of tech metal and and they call it gen and I, and i think they might have had a singer originally as well they did yes so they were part of that even though i put that music on and i've put it on since that it it, it it was invented, you know, mm-hmm. you know, which is a very Milton Keynes thing as well. You know, another, you know, like side note, you know, that a lot of the MK bands are yeah. considered pioneers of that tech sound. Absolutely. So I wasn't hugely aware of them, but the people that were really into them were saying, you know, yeah, that young drummer is considered one of the best in the world, that the guitarist in the band. So they, they're all like virtuoso musicians, I think, that have got their own kind of life online. You know, they do like playthroughs and and yeah. online drum lessons and sort of night verses they're like this little sort of underground band yeah. but the people in the band are considered absolutely yeah. the top of their instruments like the top of their game the drummer plays i think i think he's in the band called something like fever 333 or something like that um, yeah that's right mate yeah he yeah, drums in those he drums in those as well so he's well known and if you're into that music or you're a real like muso you know yeah. you're well really into your playing and I think those guys in Night Versus considered like some of the best in the business. I was transfixed. They were just stunning. I'll put on a track by Night Versus.
quite hard because we don't we don't believe in pure illusionism. 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 I don't pure that now, but you think they're going to be one of the big boys. Perhaps Fontaine's yeah, the, DC or perhaps... Yeah, well, obviously we put the Fontaine's DC on at the Crawford. Not January gone, the January before. I know, uh, it, it, was, they, it was sold out before I got a ticket, thank you. Yeah, yeah it sold out in, the, in like a couple of days and, uh, I, and I, I really love them. I like good lyrics and I like good words and they were great like, and they were so down to earth and humble. They just couldn't believe that they'd sold the kick out so quickly <laughs> and people knew their words. And I think they sold a ton of merch as well, you know. It was like one of the best gigs they've done for people buying stuff. Mm-hmm. And again, you it was so exciting, you know, you, you were watching a band knowing yeah. that they were gonna be headlining Brixton Academy in, in a, a few yeah. months after us. As like the idols, you know, we put idols on yeah. to warm up and and I think the Idol show at the Crawford was really special and legendary because it was a run of four or five shows they were doing. Uh, I guess maybe to work in new material or whatever. But our show was the last show of that, that run of four or five gigs. And that was the last club gig they were doing before they stepped up to the next level. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, so everyone at the Idols gig at the Crawford in Milton Keynes, that was the last time they were going to be playing at club level. And then the next tour they had booked, it was, it, you know, so we were 250. The next tour was like 1,000, 2,000 mm. capacity theatres. So it, it, it was the last club show before they exploded upwards. They've got a new album coming out as well, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, I love them. That, one of the best live bands I've, I would say I've ever been involved with. I was at the side of the stage looking after the people who, you know, like wanted to have a bit of a jump around stage dive and, and the idols are very sort of right on. They don't like seeing anyone injured or mm. getting too aggressive. They'll they'll stop the show and walk off. Uh, so I, I was at the side of the stage doing a bit of a stage security. Mm. So I got to see the band rocking out. But then you could see like the front rows and unlike the, the glistening of their eyes, all these people just couldn't believe they were standing in front of the idols. Yeah. And then singing along to the songs, it was like like one of the most exciting gigs. But it was also like you were watching because the whole post-punk thing has really exploded in the UK, hasn't it? Yeah. So we put Idols on a couple of years ago now. So it was like you were watching the birth of a new genre of music, not a a new genre, but the latest thing, music going to explode. You were watching it happen there in front of your eyes. I'll tell you what, Paul, I'm going to put on something from the Idols' new album.
has ever been mended By you standing there and saying you're offended Go ahead, tell them what I've intended I'll say what I mean, do what I love and fucking send it Do you hear that thunder? That's the sound of strength in numbers There's nothing brave or nothing useful You strolling your aggro shit on the walls of the cubicle Say my race and class ain't suitable So I raise my pink fist and say black is beautiful We're going to start wrapping up now, but um, we've talked about um, all the things that you've done in Milton Keynes and all the things I think you've done for Milton Keynes. Who are your personal favourite bands? Uh, what, locally or just in, in general? In general. And they don't have to be oh. rock. So, you, you know, they, you oh. could even say it's Joni Mitchell or it's Habba or who. Oh, so, yeah, so I was a bit more rock. Uh, you were a bit of a prog guy, weren't you, back in the day? Not prog as such, more rock, but uh, no, not prog. I was really, I was a real alternative rock kid. Uh, you know, in the late 80s, I started listening to John Peel, and and, and I got really taken with like, English bands like Jesus and Mary Jane, but also like the American bands, you know, like when Faith No More first came through, and yep. James Addiction, and... Yeah, so I was a real uh, like I, I always consider myself a bit of an alternative guy, I, you know, and it frees me up to like any kind of genre. Mm-hmm. But I would say, my, uh, yeah, Nick Cave. I'm a huge Nick Cave and a Bad Seeds fan. Yeah, uh, and I, I've grown up with him. You know, he's seen him a handful of times, and I'm a bit of a fanboy for Nick Cave. Okay, that's I really, I really love PJ Harvey. Um, I really love Fugazi. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love Dead Kennedys. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love Ramones, and I and, and I'm and I'm a huge like um like like sort of I love I love a bit classic rock as well. So I loved ACDC and 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 Finn Lizzy were one of the first bands I remember like watching on Top of the Pops or whatever when I was a little kid, okay. you know seven seven eight years old. So Phil Liner was was one of my first musical heroes. Like I saw him playing bass, you know, with his hair pulled over his eye and his big earring, and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So I'm yeah. a I'm a huge Lizzie fan as well. Oh, good, Paul. We're going to say goodbye now, but I'm going to play out with one track of your choice, whoever it is. Uh, I would say we need to go out on a bang, don't we? Yeah. Uh, I would say put on Cup of Destiny by. Amel and the Sniffers. 
Okie dokie, will do. Thanks a lot, Paul. I will see you soon. to listen to my other show new releases with rob taylor i'll speak to you next week if not before love you bye